And people don't realize that your digestive system is actually considered on the outside of your body. Yes. Right? This epithelial cell that are lining your gut are meant to protect your body from everything out there, from the toxins that you're bringing in. And you have to think about all the toxins you're exposed to on a daily basis. Yeah. Whoever said life is short wasn't trying hard enough. Welcome to Dead Set on Living, a lifestyle podcast that takes you off the beaten path of health and wellness and highlights unique ways to live a longer, stronger, and more fulfilling life. Now, here's your badass host who once fought a bear on the mountains of Corsica, Lynn Bravo. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Dead Set on Living. I'm Lynn Bravo and today's episode is a pretty special one. As most of you know, this podcast is aimed at showing you some of the lesser known or fringe ways to lead a long, active and healthy life. And today we are very lucky to have with us in the studio, Katie Stewart of Katie Stewart Wellness. Katie is a holistic nutritionist, wellness blogger, and a board certified essential oil practitioner. Katie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, So the first thing that comes to mind for me is that uh, what is a board certified essential oil practitioner? I'm not familiar with that. I know. So it's it's a bit of a newer one out there because, you know, essential oils, I'm sure everyone listening has heard of them or seen them in stores because they're so popular these days. So uh, a board certified essential oil practitioner means I actually took additional training. Uh, I love essential oils and I really wanted to be using them with my clients and in my business, but I didn't want to go down the aromatherapy route because I am a nutritionist. So I, I wanted to get some type of certification so that my clients would feel comfortable that the recommendations I had for them was safe for them. And so that's why I went and I took additional training and I became a board certified essential oil practitioner. Okay. So being an aromatherapist, that is something different then? Yes. Yes. So aromatherapist, some of them are like two-year programs, three-year programs. So to be a certified essential, sorry, a certified aromatherapist, that would be someone that's taking on clients that are strictly on an essential oil basis. Oh, so I, I, okay. I didn't, I didn't want to be taking them strictly on an essential oil basis. I wanted to be using the essential oils as a supplement into what I offer my clients. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think a lot of us know about, um, you know, lavender helping yes. with stress and, and perhaps um, oil of oregano helping mm-hmm. with the, the immune system and so on. Is there some of the examples of the oils that you could suggest to us that might be something we hadn't thought of that we yes. what some of the treatments you would use them for? Yeah, because you're all about the fringe health benefits here, yeah. right, on the podcast. Yeah. So I think one that I is one of my, well, to my two favorites would have to be frankincense, which I think some people are familiar with, mm-hmm. um, but also copaiba. So copaiba is one of my favorites. It's an incredible essential oil and it has so many different uses. It's wonderfully anti-inflammatory. It's antibacterial and antiviral. It helps with anxiety, digestion, your cardiovascular system, your nervous system. It's really amazing for basically your entire body. Yeah, so I it, haven't even heard of that. I know it's, 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 is, is there another name for it? Or is no, it, it's yeah. uh, copaiba. It's copaiba. yeah, mm. copaiba. It's a fun one and it actually works on your endocannabinoid system. And really? I'm sure you are very familiar <laughs> with the endocannabinoid yes, system. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes. So I, I love using it as a compliment. I use it every single day, a drop on the bottoms of my feet in the morning and a drop before bed. And I find personally for me, it helps with my sleep because I am one of those people that it takes me so long to shut my brain off at night. And then I was constantly waking up. And when I started using copaiba on the bottoms of my feet, my sleeps became so much deeper and so much better. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because I've heard people having really good luck with using lavender yes, on the bottom yes, of their absolutely. feet as well. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. an easy one. Um, and then frankincense is the other one I mentioned. And that one works really incredible for 
your cellular health. Mm. And you can imagine that the health of your cells is vital for your overall well-being. So I use that in the same way I would be using copaiba, bottoms of the feet in the morning and in the afternoon, or sorry, before bed. And, and why is it that we apply it on the bottom of your feet? I mean, I've heard, that the, I've heard that the openings of the cell to the cell. It's like the nerve highway. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. So the All bottoms right. of your feet and your spine are like the nerve highway for your body. Because if you can imagine your spine is all of the nerves coming out and that way it's able to go throughout the whole body. Um, but applying it to the bottoms of the feet works in much the same way where it actually absorbs into your bloodstream within 30 seconds and it's in every cell of your body within 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So the bottoms of the feet are a really easy way to be having a whole body effect. But I also love that the bottoms of your feet are a much thicker skin. So yeah. if you have sensitive skin, this could be a really safe and easy way to be using them on your feet. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay. And then uh, are there other ways that you can use these oils? Are you, uh, unlike aromatherapy, mm-hmm. perhaps you're not maybe using them as an inhalation necessarily? Yes, definitely. You, yeah, yeah, you can use them in oh. a variety of different ways. So if you are using them in an um, aromatic experience, you can be using it in your diffuser. So I know a lot of people have mm-hmm. their diffusers in their office or in their home that where you're able to breathe in the aromatic compounds. That's a you know really common way. But also just putting a drop in the palm of your hand and rubbing together together cupping over your nose and inhaling I say inhale for five hold it for five and exhale for five mm. so this is a really powerful way to be using the essential oils because they're going right to the limbic center of your brain which is responsible for both your memories and your emotions mm, so that okay. way when you breathe in something like lavender which is super calming goes right to your brain and then your the limbic center sends out all these little text messages like hey it's time to calm down hey it's get rid of that anxiety so it's a really fun way or an easy way to be using them for your emotions and again your respiratory health so if you're breathing something like eucalyptus in or peppermint really great for the uh the respiratory health Mm -hmm. or you could be putting it on some aromatherapy jewelry as well Oh, right. Oh, yes. I've seen those. Like mm-hmm. they're like, I've seen one that's made out of like a clay. Yes. They're little uh, lava rocks. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can be putting it there and that way you can be smelling it uh, throughout the day as well. Oh, that's so just, mm-hmm. just a good idea. It, it, do you ever ingest these oils? I do. Yeah. Uh, you always want to make sure that they're labeled safe for internal use. You don't want to just be going to like Walmart and picking up a bottle of whatever for three ninety nine because this is a big red flag that it should not be used internally, but they can safely be used. So if you're using a high quality essential oil that is labeled safe for ingestion you can be doing it in a couple different ways so you always want to make sure that if you have a lot of irritation or like an open ulcer in your digestive system it may not be the best route for you Mm. at that point in time Mm -hmm. but if you are using them ingesting them it's really important to be diluting them because oh yeah it's really important to be diluting them because they are so potent and they can irritate the mucous membranes so there's two ways you can be doing it is you know you can get the empty veggie capsule put a couple drops in, fill that with some olive oil and take it like you would a supplement. Oh, or okay. if you don't, ha- you know, you don't have to be fancy like that. You can just get an old, sp- like a plain old spoon, put some uh, olive oil in your spoon and then, it, you know, your drops oh, in that way. Drops. So oh. you could do it or even something like uh, some raw honey. Like if you have a sore throat, putting a, a drop of tea tree in there would be really soothing that way. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. You, you just made me think too about quality of the yes. oil. I've seen so many oh different goodness. brands of, of these oils out there and, and I've heard from aromatherapists that mm-hmm. I know that you have to be really careful where you buy your oils from. Very right? careful. Yeah, just uh, it's kind of like the same with supplements, right? You have your super cheap supplements that you can be getting at the grocery store, but you know, you want those are usually made with synthetics and your body's not absorbing them properly. So mm-hmm. in order to be getting the, you know, 
the most out of your money, you do need to be investing in a higher quality supplement, which is the same with an essential oil. So like I said, you can be getting a $3.99 oil from Walmart, but you have to think at what cost. So is mm-hmm. it being adulterated? Is it synthetic? And then you have to imagine at what cost the farmer. So, you you know, a lot of essential oil companies, especially the cheaper ones, they what they do is they they get a broker and the broker goes out to all of these different farms and says, I need this lavender crop at this price. Can you do it any better? And then they're really losing out because a lot of these essential oil farm or, or the farms that they're used for the essential oils, they're in third world countries because mm-hmm. this is where they are their best growing conditions. Like an essential oil like vetiver grows best in Haiti. Mm-hmm. So, which is being a very poor country, you do want to be making sure that you're paying these farmers what they're worth. Yes, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. You were saying they can be diluted mm-hmm. uh, and, and taken orally. Um, can they be used for cooking or baking? Absolutely. As well? This, you know, being a nutritionist, I am all about this. I actually have a, a recipe on my blog for a lemon cookie. It's made with almond flour, and I use a lemon essential oil to flavor the cookie recipe. And it, it is so incredible. I get so many compliments whenever I make it. And I love that it imparts such a beautiful flavor. It really mm-hmm. is a pure flavor. And for people that are nervous about cooking with essential oils, remember that the majority of, say, you're buying in a health food store, if you read it, it's actually usually flavored with an essential oil. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, so you're, actually, you're yeah, right. again, I saw a cookie the other day and again, it had some lemon essential oil in it. So you are used to having them in your diet. You just don't know it. Oh, right. And I, uh, a quick little mm-hmm. tip is when you're using it, less is always more because they're so concentrated. That is so true. I'm very concentrated. Really overdo it with the essential oils. They don't realize how potent each drop is. Absolutely. They might shake, you know, 15 or 20 drops. That's a little too strong. It's so common, too. I see it happening. And I've always said to people, I don't think you're supposed to put that much. That's a lot. (laughs) Uh, 15 drops is a lot um, because one drop of peppermint oil can be the equivalent of 28 cups of peppermint tea. What? So you're putting 15 drops of peppermint. That's a little too too many. Um, But when you Using essential oils, if you're wanting to still retain some of the health benefits, say like a rosemary, you can actually be putting in after you're finished your cooking. So if you're mm-hmm. making a sauce of some sort, I would suggest putting uh, it in afterwards. And if you're doing a baked good and you're putting some lemon essential oil in, it's more so for the flavor. You know, the therapeutic qualities may bake them, bake their way out, but mm-hmm. you'll still get that really, really incredible flavor. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have your your Katie uh, Stewart Wellness yes. uh, site. What inspired you to start this? Oh my goodness. Um, Well, I I had another blog years ago called Life is Katie. And I, at the time I was working in television and Mm -hmm. one of my, my job was I was a host of a local food show in Hamilton. So I was going around to all the best restaurants in the city, trying their must have items. And I really fell in love with food. So I started experimenting and making my own recipes. So I figured, you know, I'd share them all on my blog and just see how it went. And of course I was a nutritionist at the time. So the recipes were quite different. (laughs) That kind of really started the ball. And then when I became a nutritionist, I wanted to be able to share my healthy recipes again. So I created Katie Stewart Wellness um, and it kind of just snowballed from there. Wow. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So could you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to, to become involved in nutrition Mm -hmm. and, and sharing some of these interesting topics that you now have on your your website. Absolutely. So like I said, I was a a TV host at the time and I was hosting a food show and I also was working on a show called What's Up With Gluten. So it was a local chef and she was teaching how you can be cooking without gluten. And I had never heard of gluten before in my life. I'm like, what is this? 
I love eating pizza and burgers and all of that. And I also suffered with severe migraines, like awful stomach pain, hormonal acne. Like I had a lot of health issues going on that I just thought were the norm Mm -hmm. because I knew other people that had these things. And when I heard her speak about how gluten can be causing, you know, migraines or they can be causing this issue, I was like, well, maybe that's my problem. So I tried removing it from my diet and sure enough, my migraines went away. Oh, wow. So that kind of got me really interested in, you know, if that is able to have that effect, what else am I eating that's that's harming me? So I got fell in love with food and uh, being in television, I really wanted to become an expert in something. I didn't want to work in news or sports or entertainment. And my uh, producer at the time said, Katie, why don't you go and study nutrition? You could really bring your love of TV and, and food together to help a lot of people. So I started studying nutrition and it kind of just went went that way. I started working with some really incredible people and uh, yeah, the rest is history, I guess. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that we hear a lot about these days is, is leaky gut. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it might be interesting for you to share your knowledge about that a little bit. Yeah. Gluten can be one of uh, the things that really aggravates leaky gut among Absolutely. other things. And wouldn't mind if you just sort of maybe talked a little bit about that and shared mm-hmm. your thoughts. Well, I know we're both a lo- both love the Paleo Approach book. Yes. You, you brought it to share with me and we love this book and it's so incredible. And she writes in there that the leading scientific experts in um, digestive issues and autoimmune diseases, they cite gluten as being one of the common denominators in all of these issues and especially leaky gut. Mm-hmm. So the gluten is actually really irritating your digestive lining. And then for people that aren't familiar with leaky gut, it's also called intestinal permeability. Mm-hmm. And what happens is when you have cells that line your gut lining, and when those cells start to get irritated, the tight junctions start to pull apart, which then allows undigested food particles and toxins and things that aren't supposed to be there into your bloodstream and into your lymphatic system, which then starts to create a whole slew of systemic problems because it's able to travel all of the body. Mm-hmm. So having a leaky gut can be, you know, really at the root of a lot of issues. So if you have hormonal imbalances or acne or migraines or inflammation or just pretty much anything that the majority of the population out out there has leaky gut could be at the bottom of your health issue. Mm -hmm. I heard it described once, like I don't think necessarily people realize that the wall of your intestinal lining Mm -hmm. is only one cell thick. It's Mm -hmm. an epithelial cell. Mm -hmm. And I heard it described, maybe it was even uh, Dr. Ballantyne in this mm-hmm. book that described it as being like a brick wall. Yeah. So each, there's one layer of cells and they're like bricks in a wall. And the tight junctions are the mortar between exactly. the bricks that hold it all together. That's a great way. So it, it's kind of interesting to think of it in those terms. I think it sort of helps us visualize yeah. that that because there's only one cell separating, the, the you know, everything that's in your intestinal tract is meant to just go in your mouth and out the other end. It's mm-hmm. not meant to be leaking into your body in any mm-hmm. way because of the amount of microbes and bacteria. And exactly. So there. So if you eat something that damages the mortar in the bricks and now creates a little hole, mm-hmm. then everything's going to start shooting through there into the outside layer outside of mm-hmm. your, your body. And that is where all your immune system is. Like exactly. 50, 60% of it anyway. So. I love that analogy. I think it really makes it easy for a lot of people to understand because, you know, when that mortar starts to break away and then all of a sudden a snowstorm comes in, it's freezing inside. So it's having this huge impact on your body. And people don't realize that your digestive system is actually actually considered on the outside of your body. 
Yes. Right? Yeah. This the thelial cell that are lining your gut are meant to protect your body from everything out there, from the toxins that you're bringing in. And you have to think about all the toxins you're exposed to on a daily basis, yeah. especially on your food um, and the pesticides that are coming in on your food and the things that you're breathing in in your environment. So your gut and your digestive system has a lot to be handling. Yes. And, and because the immune system's uh, around the gut area, mm-hmm. if, if you've got leaky gut or if mm-hmm. you're eating foods that are causing leaky gut, when your immune system which is mostly in that area, is busy trying to fight all these bacteria and microbes and things that aren't supposed to be Mm -hmm. there, you're really hugely compromising your your immune system. Mm -hmm. So your immune system has the responsibility of, of trying to deal with um, things that aren't supposed to be in your body Absolutely. in various areas. So that just taking a cancer cell, for example, like all of us have cancer cells mm-hmm. in our body, even young children. But if you have a healthy immune system, it's busy cleaning up all those exactly. cells and destroying them and getting them expelled out through the body. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's you know, not having any problem sort of maintaining the body. But if it's busy trying to fight leaky gut every day. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, how exhausting are, like, are they? It's like, there's, there's just, because it's all localized, yeah. right? Where it's, where it is is based in the body, then I have to think that it's seriously compromising your ability to fight all these mm-hmm. other types of, you know, chronic diseases like arthritis that develops in people and other autoimmune diseases mm-hmm. and so on because your body's just fighting to try and survive this leaking material. Exactly, it's like a domino body. effect in your body. Yeah, right. Yeah. Where you know one thing starts to go, when then the next thing starts to go, and before you know it, you have a slew of problems and you don't know how you got there. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, our poor immune systems are so big and exhausted all of the time just based on our lifestyle yeah mm-hmm. i i probably have read and this not an exaggeration more than two thousand books on nutrition for over the last you know 30 40 years yeah. and uh i've been you know finding my way through i was a mm-hmm. vegan for 14 years and mm-hmm. then i realized i just did i felt compromised yep. i didn't feel well i felt low energy and boggy brain mm-hmm. a lot of the time and so on and i read and, and learned about a lot of different things and i sort of ended up at the paleo diet yes. and I felt a lot better mm-hmm. on the paleo diet. And then I read uh, Sarah Ballantyne's book here, The Paleo Approach. And I, I started following that, not because I actually didn't have any autoimmune mm-hmm. diseases, but I, I, when I read about how food affects your body, I right. thought, I'm going to try eliminating that. So I actually eliminated an awful lot of things and Mm -hmm. then kind of worked my way back. And uh, one of the things that she talks about with the the autoimmune disease is some of the other effects of other types of food groups like Mm -hmm. dairy. Like I haven't had dairy now for, I don't know. 15 years maybe. Oh, wow, you beat like me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I even have gone so far as to uh, to look at taking out the nightshade family, like tomatoes, mm-hmm. potatoes. That's a big one. Um, peppers. Uh, eggplants. And eggplants, yeah. that sort of thing. And re- maybe not even a year ago now, I sort of mostly got rid of nuts and seeds yep. as well. But I, I've gotten to the point where you really, don't you find like you really get in tune with your body? Like Huge. once you do an elimination diet and then you start adding things back in, mm-hmm. I feel that you really get really sensitive to what's good for you and what isn't. I think that's a great point. Absolutely. You know, finding what works for you. And then when you do start reintroducing, like I had given up caffeine a number of years ago because it affected my body, like my nervous system, my adrenals. It was, it was terrible. So I got rid of it. And then recently I started having some matcha tea and I realized pretty quickly that it was actually giving me really bad heartburn Mm. and I'd never had heartburn before. And I knew that just by adding that back in, my body was so sensitive to things that it doesn't like that it's going to tell me pretty quickly. Yeah. I actually, funnily, mm -hmm. I had the same thing with, I love green tea, but it does not 
go well, I find, with my body. Exactly. Like, there's so many wonderful benefits, of course, that people that can tolerate matcha and green tea, that's wonderful. But for some some people, you just can't. So I think that's something that you really have to start learning and understanding about your body is that just because it is considered healthy, like a health food, mm-hmm. doesn't mean your body is going to situate properly with them. Oh, that, that takes me right where I want to go now. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and that's the individualized diet. Yes. Um, I, I listened to a TED Talk uh Wow, it wasn't that long ago, two year, two mm-hmm. months ago. And um, the doctor that was speaking, was, was his topic was, what's the optimum diet for human beings? And by the time question. he finished his topic, his, he said, uh, the question, that's the wrong question. Mm-hmm. The question is, what is the optimum diet for me? Because exactly. we're all so different. And he explained really interesting talk about how, how our bodies assimilate food everyone's different like mm-hmm. even siblings or parents like mm-hmm. even if you're in the same family there's a genetic aspect to it but there's also an individual aspect to it and and one of the big 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 things is your microbiome so huge when you look at what bacteria is in your particular gut those that collection of bacteria respond to f- different foods in mm-hmm. different ways mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I wondered if you'd had any experience with with learning about the individualized diet and how yes how because well, we're sort of talking about doing it in two intuitively, yep. just knowing, mm-hmm. but you can actually investigate more deeply your personal body and biome and learn how, how you have to, to eat Absolutely. specifically for yourself. I know everyone always asks me, Katie, what should I be eating? Should I, because they're like, should I be eating a ve- like vegan diet? Should I be vegetarian, paleo? Like there's so many things out there, keto, like they, they just don't know where to go. They don't yeah. know what's for them. And I say every single person is different. You know, you want to be having an eating lifestyle that works for your body. So, you know, how you eat may not necessarily work for me, may not necessarily work for your husband or your coworker, that you really have to find an individual way. So I always tell people maybe start with an anti-inflammatory style of diet where you know you're removing the processed foods like that is step one I don't think anybody should be eating you know sugar and processed foods and all of the garbage food that is out there mm-hmm. um, and then from there you can find out you know can I be eating the nightshade so can I be having the tomatoes or are they causing me arthritic pain um, can I be eating you know gluten-free grains or are they causing me digestive issues mm-hmm. and even go as so far as to check your blood type so there's also the blood type diet yes. where yeah. I myself I am an O type blood and that type of blood doesn't do well as a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. They need to be having meat in their diets. And I find that even my husband said, Katie, on the days where you don't eat meat, I notice you're a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And that's for my husband. Like wow. he, he, he still eats pizza occasionally. So for him to say that, I was like, wow, I can't believe you noticed that. It really does make a difference um, when I eat meat or not. I'm not saying that you have to eat meat, but just for me personally, it does make me feel a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I found the same thing in my mm-hmm. case. Yeah. So I'd like to talk a little bit more about the microbiome. Yes. Katie, could you tell me a bit more about what your understanding is of? So yeah. the microbiome basically it's... It's all of the good uh, and bad bacteria that is in your digestive system. You naturally have both good and bad, um, hopefully have more good than bad, because when you start getting, um, you know, an imbalance of your microbiome, that's when things like candida can crop up. It can, you know, contribute to leaky gut and can contribute to a lot of issues going on in your body. So your microbiome really is so important for your overall health and especially for your immune system as well. Because I think a lot of people are familiar with probiotics. Mm hmm. You know, you're taking in the probiotics because you want to help establish a good um, microbiome in your gut. You know, it's going to be helping you with better digestion. So people that have really bad bloating or digestive issues, probiotics are a really great thing that they can be including to help, you know, combat down that bad bacteria. 
sources of probiotics. Mm-hmm. I've read and heard lots about that as well. Could you share what you think is a good source for probiotics? Yeah, so there's you know so many different probiotics out there. Um, depending on what you're going for, I, I personally use a 50 billion count of a probiotic. I really like. There's a lots of different brands that I like. I make sure that it's dairy free. It doesn't have any sugar in it. Um, there's no preservatives and no other you know kind of garbage ingredients. So you're not eating a gallon of yogurt a day. To I'm get not. Probiotics. No, I'm not <laughs> eating a gallon of yogurt to get my probiotics. Unfortunately, I will supplement them just because I do have digestive issues. So I yeah. will supplement with a 50 billion capsule. But of course, there's so many wonderful probiotic rich foods that aren't dairy. Mm-hmm. So your fermented foods like pickles and sauerkraut, um, all of that wonderful stuff, that is a great source of probiotics for your body. Yeah. You know what I just, maybe you're familiar mm-hmm. with this, but I was surprised to see it was the probiotic water. Like you yes, can get I've seen the, that. The, uh, it, it's it's almost like a kombucha type mm-hmm. of thing, but it's it's a, a water, just mm-hmm. straight water, which seems, seems kind of weird, but it contains yeah. that bacteria. That I think probiotics are really catching on. People are understanding how important it is to your body and your digestive health. So I think there is lots of different spots now that we can be getting probiotics and we don't have to be relying on, you know, the Greek yogurt to be getting it. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. Well, one other thing too that came to mind was with probiotics, I, I understand, uh, I think it's Genestra brand. Mm-hmm. Are you yes. With that? Yeah. yeah. They're kind of cool because they actually grow their bacteria in a lab environment mm-hmm. to encapsulate it, but it's all human source. Yes. Probiotics. Cause that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because some of the probiotics, uh, like the cheaper brands and so yes. on, they aren't human sourced bacteria. Right. So when they, when we, when we ingest those, they probably don't even stay it's in like the It's like the quality right? of the supplement, right? <laughs> you're getting what you pay for. So when you're going and getting that really cheap vitamin or, or even probiotic, you're just wasting your money. Mm-hmm. But I do really love Genestra because they have such an incredible line from like everything from babies all the way up to adults and yeah. they have their intensive. So it's, you know, there's so many different ways you can be using their probiotic line. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's really great. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if we could just talk about gluten a little bit again. Yes. Um, what you think is the issues with gluten mm-hmm. and, uh, and also perhaps, you know, is wheat the only thing with gluten that we have to be concerned about or are there other forms of gluten that we need to watch out yeah, for. Gluten's kind of been in the limelight these past mm-hmm. few years, right? Everybody, it's like essential oils. Everybody knows what gluten is. Um, you know, it's in all of our breads and your pastries and basically our society sustains themselves on gluten. But unfortunately, our wheat has been so genetically modified. It's a heavily sprayed crop. So it is very contaminated with pesticides. So when you're bringing that in, it's causing a slew of issues in your digestive system and causing contributing to leaky gut um, and all of all of these um, problems. And you really have to be aware of gluten in your diet because for someone like that has an autoimmune disease, it can really be a huge trigger for them. So gluten is found, of course, in wheat. That's something we're super mm-hmm. familiar with, but it's also found in things like kamut and spelt and uh, barley even. So if you're having something that has barley Malt in it. A lot of soy sauces have it. So gluten hides in a lot of funny little places like salad dressings. So you may be thinking, oh, I'm getting a spelt bread and it does, it's not wheat, but it does contain gluten um, as well. So you have to be really cautious of, of what you're eating. Yes. Yeah. I understand too that it's a certain protein in the gluten that causes the problem with leaky gut, mm-hmm. but um, other foods that aren't, it isn't necessarily gluten that's the problem, but it has similar, uh, they so call it pseudo-gluten mm-hmm. uh, properties, uh, things like quinoa mm-hmm. and rice and all these other things. So even though you're eating gluten-free bread, rice and quinoa, for example, have 
a pseudoglutenin form in them, another protein mm-hmm. that can actually also cause leaky Absolutely. gut. So again, it's sort of like an elimination thing, you know, if, you're, yes, test, if you've test, eliminated test. all the breads and the, the camut and all this sort of thing and you're still having a problem, you might want to consider... That was me. Dropping yeah. the, the rice and the quinoa as well, just to see how, you know, does that Exactly. Help, right? You know, that was me because even in the, the nutrition world, quinoa is, is a big superfood, right? And if you can tolerate it, great. And I gave up uh, gluten years ago, but I was still having a lot of digestive issues I was still getting bloating after I was eating and I really resisted wanting to do more paleo grain freestyle diet because I loved my rice and my quinoa and all of those all of those grains the non-gluten grains but I found that when I gave it up my digestive system was so much happier my body was happier there was no more bloating I just generally felt better Um, and you mentioned all of these other grains that can cause issues like gluten another one is corn So a lot of people think that, oh, well, you know, I'm eating a corn chip and that's a lot healthier for me, where a lot of people that do have a gluten intolerance also have a corn intolerance as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think there's uh, uh, physiologically human beings really aren't designed to to digest grains mm-hmm. at all yeah or well like yeah not well whether it's corn or wheat or any other sort of grain or seeds like we just don't have this the correct type of digestive system mm-hmm. to, to deal with that sort of thing so yeah it can be very hard on the digestive system i know you know people that have ibs it's they it's hard for them to even digest chia seeds so you have to be really careful and listen to your body i think if there's one thing your your audience can take away is listen to your body and don't ignore it because it's giving you a lot of signs you just have to be open to receiving them that does it for this episode of dead set on living thank you so much to katie stewart for joining us today katie can you share with us where our listeners can find you on social media yes i love social media i'm on it all day long probably a little too much <laughs> but you can find me on instagram at katie stewart wellness on facebook i'm katie stewart wellness as well and on twitter i'm at katie stewart rhn oh, great thank you well until next episode live life and be well If you want more information on what was talked about on today's show, you can head over to the show page at deadsetonliving.com and peruse the show notes. Be sure to subscribe to the Dead Set on Living podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. That way you'll always be up to date whenever a new episode is released. As a listener, you are vital to the success of our show. By leaving a rating and review, you'll help us reach more people and continue to put out kick-ass content. Also, every time you leave a rating or review, a fairy in the forest will get its wings. But seriously, what you think is important to us and to the growth of our show 